Why did the king come? Why did the king come? Luke chapter 3. John the Baptist went into all the Jordan, country around the Jordan. And when he opened his mouth, he preached the baptism of repentance, that the sins of the people might be forgiven, and that the way to the Lord might be opened. As it is written in the words of Isaiah 700 years earlier, there will be a voice of one calling in the wilderness. His message will be a singular one. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make a straight path for him. Every valley in your life shall be filled in by him. Every mountain and hill in your life shall be made low by him. The crooked roads in your life shall become straight, and the rough ways in your life shall become smooth by him. And all mankind will see God's salvation when they see and they know him. That is the text for the third weekend of Advent. It pertains to an individual whose name is Jesus. He was in the form of God, Philippians 2, 5. He's in the form of God. But he didn't think equality with God was the most important task he had. He emptied himself. So he did. Emptied himself. Doesn't the Bible say the babe of Bethlehem was wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in some manger? He emptied himself, took on him the form of a servant. Didn't he say that about himself two years into the ministry when the disciples are arguing about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom he sets up? Didn't he say, gentlemen, I've been with you for two years. Don't you understand that I have not come to be served? Not by the Gentile, not by the Jew, not by you guys. I have not come to be served. I have come to serve. He emptied himself, took on him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And doesn't the Bible say, Hebrews 2.17, Jesus had to be made like his brothers in all ways, in order that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God. He emptied himself, he took on him the form of a servant, and he was made in the likeness of men. There is one central figure that pops his head during the Advent season. And that individual is John the Baptist. And he is the one of whom the Gospel writer Luke speaks about. He is the voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make a straight path for him. Whatever is an obstacle between you and him, get rid of it, get it out of your path. He wants to come to you, but you have the ability to block him, make a straight path for him. Isaiah 59, 2, thy sin has blocked the path between you and God. He cannot see your face. He cannot bless you. Your sin has gotten in between you and God. That's what John the Baptist is talking about. Make a straight path for him. Do not make it difficult for you to get to him. Do not make it difficult for him to get to you. 
make a straight path for Him. Every valley in your life, every empty place in your life, every void in your life shall be filled in by Him if you make this straight path towards Him. Every proud mountain, every haughty, arrogant bit of you will be made low by Him so you can connect with Him. Every crooked road that leads you away from Him and every rough place in your life shall be cleared and straightened by Him. Who's the Him? Who's doing the construction work? You look around here, you got Smoothie King going on in that corner. You got Delta Sonic being redone. You got rainbow cones going in there where Baker Square was. It doesn't matter what interstate you're driving. Interstate 57, north or south, 55, north or south, interstate 80, east or west. It doesn't matter which one you're driving. They're all under construction. Who's doing the reconstruction work? Who's doing the teardown in our life? Romans 12, 2, don't be conformed to the world. Be transformed, be reconstructed by the renewing of your mind and hearts so that you might understand God's purpose and will in your life. Who does the work? Does Moses, Abraham, Isaac, King David, the major prophets, Isaiah, the minor prophets, the apostles, Simon Peter, Saul, the great apostle Paul, do they do the reconstruction work? You need someone perfect in the position of reconstruction. And Hebrews 5.8 says there's only one perfect. And you and I know who that is. It is Jesus, the very Son of God, Isaiah said, here's what he's going to do when he comes. Angels said, you're going to call his name Emmanuel, which means God with you. God with you. The mountains and the hills, God with you. The crooked places, God with you. The rough ways in your life, God's with you. And when Isaiah writes about him, he says he's going to be a wonderful counselor. Counselor, speak to me. Counsel me. The great irony is Isaiah refers to Jesus as a wonderful counselor, and Jesus, John fourteen twenty six, refers to the Holy Spirit as the advocate, the counselor who will come to you. You got two counselors. Come to me, counselor. Direct me, empower me with yourself. For if you speak to me, therapist, counselor, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, if you speak to me, and if you fill me with yourself, and if you invade me to the work of the spirits, then it will be your counsel and your aid that will make the valleys in my life be filled in. It is your counsel and your aid that will make my pride and my arrogance be tempered and removed, which would be the best and the healthiest thing for me and those who have to live with me or work with me. 
And if you, mighty counselor, instruct me and set up your habitation in me, then my crooked path that caused me so much pain and anguish and worry and destruction, then shall my prisons be vanquished and my crooked ways made straight. And I shall walk your paths, the paths of righteousness. When I walk your paths, then my life is changed. Ellis Willard, his great book, Spirit of the Disciplines, he wrote something I've never forgotten. He said, if you don't walk the path of righteousness, you're going to be in mud and quicksand all of your life. And the truth's not going to be in you because there's going to be a lot of lies and half-truths. But if you walk the path of righteousness, you have freedom. Thank you, Dallas Willard. You have peace. You have green pastures. You have still waters. You have confidence and you have hope. And even if there is suffering going on in your life, Romans 5, 3, if you're walking the path of righteousness, God takes the suffering and He makes a perseverance happen in your faith. A perseverance you didn't think would happen. A perseverance that when the suffering came, you thought it was all over, and certainly your relationship with God was going to be all over, but you found out that in the midst of your suffering, instead of running away from Him, you ran straight to Him, and you grabbed hold of Him as the most important thing in your life, and you learned from Him. He was walking that path with you, and you learned from Him. Suffering produced a perseverance in your faith, and that perseverance changed your character. You became a different person because of the suffering you went through. You weren't bitter and angry as so many people become. You became more compassionate. You understood what suffering was, and when you saw it in other people's lives, it did something to you. He was walking that rough path, that crooked path with you. And the suffering produced perseverance, and the perseverance produced character, and the character produced something else. It's called hope. How does hope rear its head? It only rears its head when you're in a situation where there is no hope. Correct? Hope does not exist in a vacuum. You have to be in a situation where there is no hope, and then hope comes. And where does your hope come from? Him. Him. Emmanuel, God with us. If he's my therapist, is that good enough? I don't think so. My wonderful counselor, my therapist, is that enough? Isaiah doesn't think so. He says this wonderful counselor, therapist, is also the mighty God. Oh my goodness. Your therapist can listen to you and your therapist can give you advice, but his power is limited. He's not only the wonderful counselor, he's the mighty God. And if he creates this universe out of nothing, do you think your situation is too difficult 
for him. Wonderful counselor, mighty God. But you know, Pastor Strand, if he's the mighty God, says in Exodus 33, 20, no man can see, see the face of God and live. So bravo that he's a mighty God, but what does that do for me? I can't come near him. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father. Everlasting Father. Just not the mighty God, the Father. He's the Father. I've told you before, three or four times in my life, I'd call mom fairly often. I'd call my mom. We'd chit-chat about stuff. But when there was something major going on in my life, guess who I called? My dad. Jonathan and Joshua, they talked to mama a lot. Didn't talk to dad all that often. But when they said, dad, I got to talk with you, you better believe something major was going on. And I began to pray as soon as they said, dad, I got to talk with you. Lord, please don't make this too bad. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, he's your father. Pastor Shah preached about that. Our Father who art in heaven. He's your Father. You can come to Him with anything. The good stuff. Thank you, Lord, that uh, we're going to have a baby. Thank you, Lord, for bringing this friend into my life. Thank you, God, for the unexpected help. Or, Heavenly Father, I really, really, really need you now. No, I haven't bothered you in about 10 years. I apologize for that. But I really, really need you now. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. And if He is those three things, if He's your therapist, if He's the Mighty God, if He's your Father, guess what you're going to have? One plus one plus one equals, okay? Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. If He is those three elements in your life, your Counselor, your Mighty God, your Everlasting Father, He will be the one who brings you peace. He'll be your peace. He'll be your peace. What are your rough ways? Are they anger? Are they hate? Are they jealousy? What are your rough ways? Are they fear? Are they worry? Are they self-indulgence? Are they low self-esteem? What are your rough ways? The negative words that always come out of your mouth on the brightest of days. What's your rough way? Your rough way is His purpose in coming. What's your crooked way? Is it adultery? Is it embezzlement? Is it an addiction to something on the internet? Or addiction to drugs or alcohol? 
What's your crooked path? The stumbling block that gets in between you and God and between you and your family or you and your own peace of mind. What's your stumbling block? He's walking the road with you. What's your valley? Is it health? Is it finances? Is it a relationship? What's your valley? The ten lepers had a valley. By the time Jesus got through with them, the valley was gone. The blind man had a valley. The crippled man had a valley. The deaf man had a valley. By the time Jesus was through with them, the valley was gone. Mountains and hills, uh, do you have a problem with narcissism? <laughs> do you have a problem with life is all about me? Do you have a problem looking at yourself in the mirror and say, oh my goodness gracious, that's something. He comes on that path and he brings you low. He brings you low. He makes you understand that you are really nothing. And that if it wasn't for him, there would be no life in you whatsoever. He'll allow something to happen to bring you low. Because when the prodigal son, when King David, when all the rest of them were brought low, then they had only one place to look, and that was him. Didn't the arrogant Pharisees like Nicodemus, didn't some of them come to the faith? It's all there in the Bible, people. Rough ways, crooked paths. All the biographies in the Bible except one, Hebrews 5.8, except one, Jesus. All of them. He came to Simon Peter that day. And he said, Simon Peter, your rough place is the fact you've never forgiven yourself for betraying me. I forgave you, Simon Peter. Go and feed my sheep. Punish yourself no longer. King David, you never forgave yourself for the adultery and the murder of Uriah and the embarrassment you brought upon me and the kingdom. King David, you are forgiven. Go and serve the kingdom. Woman at Sychar's well, you want to talk about emptiness? Try five husbands, try living with number six. And every single one of those people that she went to to fill the void in her life, they did nothing for her except make her anguish and loneliness deeper. Who did she meet? The one that John the Baptist described. Who did she meet? She met Jesus 33 years after he was born. And by the time the conversation with Jesus was over, she has drunk of his living water. The rough places, the crooked places, the lonely places in her life, they are gone. And she runs into the village of Sychar and says, Behold the Savior. Come and see him. And that's what you and I do in the neighborhood, in the families we're married into at L.A. Fitness. I'm on the treadmill yesterday morning. <laughs> I'm a kind of fast running or fast 
walking on the treadmill and a guy comes up to me and he says, are you the pastor? And I said, yeah. And he says, when you're through running, can you come and talk to me? I'll be down there by this machine. And that's what I did. He's taking a new job in Dallas, Texas, January 1st, and wanted a blessing from God. She bumped into Jesus. And when she bumped into Jesus, then everything changed. And she began to talk, not about her situation. Now that she was filled with Him, she talked about Him. Two weeks from now, Christmas Day, We say it every year, don't we? 163 years in this church. We say it every year. On Christmas Day, remember the one who makes straight paths. The one who takes crooked ways and rough ways. The one who takes the arrogance out of you so you can see him. And the one who fills in every valley that shall ever be in your life. He is Emmanuel, God with us. Not just on December 24th and 25th, but every moment of every day we shall ever live on this earth. Why did the King come? In our Savior's name, amen. Heavenly Father, take the promises of your word and bring them into our mind and hearts. Keep us close to you, Lord, in our Savior's name. Amen. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.